Well, welcome to the Powell Butte Christian Church Sunday morning sermon podcast. Uh, my name is Trey. I'm the uh, senior pastor here at Powell Butte Christian Church in Powell Butte, Oregon. And, <clears throat> and uh, the, the uh, sermon podcast is basically what we are teaching on the weekends, and we just do it a little ahead of time so that we can put it on our website, and people can uh, go to the platforms that they get their podcasts from, and they can then listen to these things. And if you are a long-time listener to our podcast, uh, welcome back. And if you are uh, new, I'm glad that you have uh, wandered in, and I pray that uh, God really does speak to you from uh, what the messages are here at Powell Butte Christian Church. Of course, if you're ever in the area of Central Oregon, <clears throat> you are absolutely welcome to join us on a weekend service. We have a, a 7 o'clock Saturday night service. It's a cowboy uh, church service. It's very unique and very cool for those who enjoy kind of a informal time of, of you know cowboys and western music and things like that. Then uh, we have three right now during the summer time of 2021. We have three services uh, here on a Sunday morning at 8:30 in our worship center, and 9:30 outside because uh, the, the weather's been beautiful, and uh, we uh, we meet at 9:30 outside, and then we have an 11:30 service in our historic chapel that is a more traditional service with hymns and things like that. So. Again, if you're ever in our area, you are invited to come in and say hi and say, we've been listening to you on your podcast. Uh, We uh, started last week a series on uh, the Courageous Church, okay, and kind of gave an overview from the book of Daniel. And uh, today I want to talk, though, about integrity, personal integrity. Now, integrity can actually be a very difficult word to to define, kind of slippery sometimes. It's like the story that I heard of a bunch of theologians that had gotten together and they wanted to find an accurate definition of that word integrity. So they invited some people in. They they invited a philosopher in and they asked, well, what is your definition of integrity? And the philosopher, after pondering the question, he said, well, I, I believe the best way of saying integrity or defining integrity is that integrity is what you are like when nobody else is around. So they, they made note of that. They brought in a businessman. They said, well, what is integrity to you? And the businessman says, well, um, in my world, integrity is, is when a person is as good as his word. So they thanked him, and then they invited a lawyer to come in. And they said, uh, what, what is integrity? And the, uh, the lawyer's eyes kind of scanned the room. And then he walked over to the door, opened the door, looked outside in the hallway to see if anybody was listening in, closed the door, went over to the shades of the window, kind of pulled down the shades so that nobody could see in. And then he came back to the table where the theologians were, and he said, well, tell me, what do you want integrity to mean? The the term integrity has within it the idea of an integer. Now, for those who love math, you'll know that an integer is a whole number. It's not a number and another part of another number. It's not a fraction of another. An integer uh, suggests a wholeness or a completeness. Uh, So when we're talking about integrity, uh, the the idea of integrity is being whole, being complete, uh, staying true to who you are. When we apply that to our lives, we understand we're, we're, we are considered whole. We're considered complete people when our beliefs have been integrated into our 
way of life, the way that we behave. A person who has integrity isn't, uh, isn't a fraction of a person because of hypocrisy or, or uh, how the beliefs don't match up with how they live. A heart of integrity, a life of integrity is consistent with being honest about where you're going. If you have an integrity in, in your job, you finish that job, right? If you have integrity with your word, if you make a promise, you keep it. If you make a mistake, if you have integrity, you admit it. If you believe something and you have integrity, you're going to support your belief with how you live. You're whole. You're complete. You're not living a fractionalized life. So again, I said we, last week we began a series on the Courageous Church, and we began looking at the beginning of the story of Daniel uh, from the Old Testament and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, the, these young guys, they were teenagers when uh, the Lord allowed Nebuchadnezzar, who was king of Babylon, to come against Jerusalem to besiege it and then to take many of the Hebrews into captivity. So Daniel, from about age 15 to right around age 90, he would live as an exile in a foreign land. He had been taught pagan principles, and yet he did not ever waver in his commitment to God. He had integrity. And what's crazy is you've got to remember that this first part of the story where Daniel actually takes these amazing stands of integrity, he's only 15 years old. Now, that would have been considered the age of a young man back then because, you know, 13, you'd have your bar mitzvah. You became a man. But at 15, you hadn't seen much of, of life yet. You have not really matured into, a, uh, into who you're going to become. And yet, and yet, even at age 15, there was courage in Daniel to stand up for the things that many of us in our 40s and 50s would have a hard time standing up against See, integrity can happen at any age. You don't have to wait till you get older to all grown up in order to make the kind of decisions that Daniel made. I, I want to I talk to the young people who are listening to me today. You might think that your youth is for doing all the stupid things that your friends are doing, but that's a lie. You don't have to do those things. If integrity is a part of your experience as a young person, I believe that God will protect you from doing those stupid things that the enemy, Satan, is going to try to trap you with. You, you might uh, be tempted to think that it's fine to get high or to get drunk or to be on your phone taking naked pictures of yourself and sending to your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You, you, it's tempting to, to think that it's not that bad to watch pornography online, for example. You, you think possibly that you're immune to getting hooked on something that can be so powerful that it will literally rule your life until the day you die. I, don't buy that lie, young people. There are plenty of us not-so-young people that will tell you how easy it is to slip into slavery without much thought of your integrity. Integrity requires courage. When we left Daniel and his three friends last week, we were told that Daniel had purposed in his heart, which meant that in his heart, that's where the courage began. He knew that in order to be a person of courage, it needed to start with what he believed, what he felt in his heart. It begins with a transformational way of thinking, completely different worldview than is, that's unshakable in the face of opposition. See, before we can actually talk about being a courageous church, 
we, we must understand that the church is actually comprised of people, right? If you don't have people, you don't have a church. You could have a building that used to house a church, but the church, folks, the church is not the building. The church is the people. And, and like they say, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. The church is only as strong and as courageous as those individual disciples who comprise that church. How strong they are, how courageous they are. If we're going to be a courageous church, we've got to actually talk about being courageous Christians. There are 365 times, I've been told, 365 times in God's Word where He tells people, do not be afraid, or fear not, or something along those lines. That tells me that courage is a characteristic that God actually wants to build into His people. When we fear, that means we're lacking faith to some degree. Daniel's going to demonstrate in this passage that we're looking at today, he's going to demonstrate a faith that is incredibly strong. Because it's incredibly strong, because his faith is strong, his courage is there. He's going to make a stand that's going to be one of those times where his faith in God is stronger than his fear of what Nebuchadnezzar can do to him. So we're going to go back to Daniel chapter 1. As I go grab my Bible, I always start these things, and sometimes I I don't have my Bible with me, and so I have to kind of talk a little bit longer and bide some time before I find it. But we're going to go to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel is in the Old Testament, and it's uh, one of the... It comes after the major prophets, Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to um, see this decision that he makes in faith that actually produces courage. Here it is, Daniel 1. Look at verse 8. But Daniel resolved or purposed not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. The first point that I want to make today is that integrity is going to come from the courage to decide to be different. Integrity means that you're going to decide to be different, and courage is going to come from that. So what's the big deal about food? Why does Daniel purpose in his heart or, or make this, this resolve to not defile himself with the royal food and wine? I mean, as we learned last week, Daniel had to deal with the education issue. You know, he, had to be, he was forced to learn the education of the Babylonians. Uh, he, he was forced to change his name, right? And he goes along with all of that, but he puts his foot down on this issue of the food. What was it about the food that made him say, like, Papa, I, I've had all I can stands, I can't stands no more. In an interesting parallel... Uh, you could look at, at this amazing account in the book of Acts in the New Testament where the, the central church there in Jerusalem had to make a decision in Acts 15 about the new Gentile believers. The, the church had expanded. Missionaries were going out into Europe now, in, into the West. And, and Gentiles were coming to faith in Jesus. And so they, they, they were wondering, how can these Gentiles become Christians? Because up, up to that point, only Jews were Christians, so they wanted to know what did the what requirements were there on the Gentile believers in order for them to actually be Christians, and so in Acts fifteen the the Jerusalem church said, well you know what, um, they don't have to be circumcised these Gentile believers, but they did have to avoid certain pagan practices, and all of them all of these practices these pagan practices were involved in pagan worship. 
some of those practices was, were abstaining from food that had been sacrificed to idols or from eating meat that, uh, that had come from strangled animals, um, to not eat blood. Um, they, they said that you had to stay away from illicit sexual relationships. See, there, there was something connected, very odd, very interesting, uh, between certain foods and paganism. It was the same thing actually in, in uh, Corinth, uh, where Paul, in his first letter to the, the believers there in Corinth, he dealt with the same issue about eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. In my study, I found several issues that Daniel might have had for eating this food that had been served at the king's table. First of all, it would have not been prepared according to the kosher laws of the Old Testament. God was very specific in how to actually um, cook food and the, the types of food that you could have in order to be kosher, in order to be... And, and we actually, you can go down a grocery uh, store aisle today and see what all the kosher foods are. Those are prepared by the laws, uh, according to the laws of the Old Testament. And so much of the, the king's food from his table would have been ritually unclean. Second of all, uh, people believe that the wine and most of the meat would have been previously offered to the pagan gods of Babylon. And so to eat that food in that scenario would actually uh, connect Daniel to those gods. It would be like Daniel was giving consent that those gods are real and they deserve honor. And thirdly, uh, Daniel knew that by sharing a meal from the king's table would actually represent sharing the king's values and having a close relationship where they agreed on many, many things. So that was a compromise. Those three things, those were things that Daniel would say no to. I'm not agreeing to this. I'm drawing the line in the sand. And so he purposed in his heart, he resolved himself to not partake in that food because though he was fine with learning the language and the history and the culture and all of that, though he was even fine having a different name, a different name that, that would be a Babylonian name, he was not going to even give a hint of honoring the Babylonian gods. That was, that was where he was making his stand. Church, we are in this world Right? God has left his people in this world. But as we saw last week in John chapter 17, Jesus had a very specific role in mind for us. He says in John 17, My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, Father, but that you would protect my disciples from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So sanctify them by truth, because your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, I have sent them into this world. Jesus is saying that just as God the Father had sent God the Son, Jesus, into the world to proclaim the kingdom and to demonstrate the heart of God, so Jesus is sending his disciples into the world to do the exact same thing. And he says they are in this world, but they are not of this world, meaning that though they live here, they do not share the world's values. But, being, but by being in the world, we are called then to be salt and light, to make a difference wherever we go, wherever we live, to those people around us, to, to make a difference in their life rather than to be influenced by them. See, if we allow ourselves to speak like the world, 
to tell jokes like the world, to look like the world, to value the, the things that the, this world values, to run our businesses like the world runs its businesses, to view our sexuality in the same manner as the world, then what kind of difference are we, do we hope to make? If we're the same, we can't have differences, can we? I mean, those two words are opposite, same and different. If we're just the same as everybody else out there, how much of a difference are we going to make? See, we are called to a personal integrity, a wholeness of saying that this is what I believe, this is how I'm going to live. We need to decide to be different before our church can ever be seen as a courageous church. It needs to have the people at this church deciding that they are okay being different than the world. Daring to be different invites God to come in and do what God does best, to provide for us, to protect us, and to be glorified through our life. In verse 9, God enters the picture. Daniel 1.9 says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. So Daniel purposes in his heart to stand in integrity, to decide to be different, and God shows him favor. Though they may not be what you were expecting, God has promised his people that when they stand in integrity and obedience to his word, there will be blessings. He has in store for his people so many blessings that complicit and complacent churches rarely, if ever, experience, folks. He has blessings for the courageous church. So we see that deciding to be different is just part of the integrity issue. But how we come across seems to be just as important, at least here in Daniel's story, uh, we, we read of a, an approach that is very wise. Let, let, let's look at what happens here in verses 11 through 13. Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, Daniel said, please test your servants. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And then treat your servants in, accordin in, in accordance with what you see. I also want you to see that integrity involves resisting respectfully. And that will then bring courage. Integrity comes from the courage to resist respectfully. You see, resistance doesn't always have to look ugly. Protest doesn't always have to be burning down buildings in Portland, you know? We don't have to become jerks in order to stand firm for something that we believe in very, very firmly. Resistance is absolutely necessary, but so is respect for those who claim to follow Jesus. Here, Daniel is not being offensive. He's not being combative. He's not throwing insults to counter the enemy's insults. This wasn't even a demand, right? This was a, this was a request. He didn't try to go around Ashpenaz's back and, and uh, report to his superiors. He respected the, the Babylonian channels of power. The, and, and by the way, the, the request, did you notice, was not unreasonable. Ten days. Daniel says, give me ten days. Just ten days and then test and see for yourself. We're not trying to force this on you, but we're asking respectfully, would you allow us to try this? See, the kind of trust that Daniel has in the Lord allows him to make this kind of respectful request. 
I wonder how convinced believers are today in the goodness of God's guidance. In my experience, there are many believers who play this game. Well, I know that the Bible says this, but... And whatever comes after that but tells me that they really don't believe that God's way is best. That somehow they know better than the sovereign Lord Almighty. But do you see the kind of trust that Daniel actually has in the ways of the Lord? He says, look, look I, God has told us to eat certain things and to not eat certain things. And, and I trust in the, in, the, in the wisdom and the goodness and the glory of that God that told me not to do that. Well, why, why do we not trust in God's Word? Is it, is it because we secretly fear that it's true that God really doesn't want us to have fun? Or is it because that we think God is lying to us when He warns us that sin is not going to be as satisfying as what we have been tempted to believe? Why, why did Adam and Eve deliberately make the choice to eat of the fruit of the tree that God had forbidden there in the Garden of Eden? Go back to Genesis 3 where we are told that the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, No, no, no. We, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, Oh, you will surely not die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. Folks, Satan doesn't change his tactics. Not, not if they work. And apparently they've been working for a long, long time. If you get people to question the goodness of God's guidance, if you can make them question if they can truly trust God, ho, 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 then watch what happens. But see, Daniel was willing to actually put God's word to the test because he was that confident. He was that confident of the outcome. And look at the results back in Daniel chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier, and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. See, I believe that it was because of that confidence that Daniel had that he was able to approach the situation with respect to the governing authorities. He is resisting, absolutely, but he's being respectful because he knows that God's way is going to be proven right at the end, okay? He doesn't have to be overbearing. He, he doesn't have to prove that he's right. The result of his obedience to God is going to prove beyond any human argument that God is right, that, that living biblically is right and amazing. See, I, I believe that that's why Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount that we should let our lights shine in the way that we live so that when people see the way we live, they see our good deeds the result will be that they would praise their Father in heaven. See, we don't have to beat people over the head with a Bible in order to win them over. In the end, Daniel's choice of attitude is going to help win over a pagan government time after time after time. I actually wonder how much damage is done when the people of God sink to the level of the enemy in the way that we put people down, we treat them like they're stupid, 
we argue until we get so angry and hateful that we come across as un-Jesus-like as we possibly can. Integrity comes from the courage of deciding to be different. It comes from the courage to resist respectfully, but it also comes from the courage to conduct ourselves like Christ. Look at verses 17 through 21. To these four men, this is what God did for these four young guys. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Isn't that pretty amazing? And Daniel then remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. There it is. Daniel has this courage to stand up for the truth, and God honors that decision. And Daniel's respectful and earned the trust of those living in that pagan culture. And by following after the law of God, wisdom and understanding were developed in these young men. That they, they began to develop the character of Christ as they conducted themselves like Christ. They refused to compromise, and as a result, they received blessings of wisdom and understanding and favor. Before Palm Butte Christian Church learns the ways of a courageous church, I believe this very, very strongly, that the individuals who comprise this church must, just like Daniel and his three friends, strive for personal integrity. Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount that before we can take the speck of dust out of the eye of our culture, we must make sure we've done the work in pulling out the log in our own eyes. In other words, folks, we have no business calling out our culture for its sinful state while we ourselves ignore the importance of personal integrity. Now, what I love about this story is that the decision regarding food seems to so many people as, that's just a very small thing. Come on. And if you look at it in one light, it is not very big at all. It's not a huge deal. But if you look at it in another light, it really is. Because you never know how big even your smallest decisions regarding your integrity is going to prove in the end. You may think it's not a big deal to teach your eyes to bounce when they're drawn to an attractive person that you're not married to. You may not think it's a big deal to uh, just... Make sure that you're never alone with a person of the opposite sex where you can be tempted then into uh, getting in, involved in, in a wrong way. You might not think it's a big deal to, to discipline yourself not to use certain words or phrases anymore and to not tell certain jokes anymore. None of those seem like monumental changes, but folks, they are because they will lead to a more powerful witness than you can ever imagine when people see that you have decided to be different than what the world is, that you're actually offering them something that they can't find from the world, something much more powerful, much more fulfilling. The outcome of Daniel's act of integrity was huge. It changed his whole life. And in the end, it wasn't small at all. The impact of even small doses of light and salt on a world that's dark and dying you can't overstate that impact. This week I, I read about a 400-year-old redwood that suddenly and without warning toppled to, to the forest floor. 
Now, what caused that death of such a, an amazing, huge tree? Was it fire? Was it lightning? Was it a strong wind? Well, when they looked at it, they saw something very, very startling. There were these tiny little beetles that had crawled under the bark of this huge 400-year-old redwood tree and literally had eaten the fibers away from the inside. So though the tree looked strong and healthy on the outside, on the inside it was hollow. And one day it finally just collapsed under its own weight. The same thing can happen, folks, when we refuse to stand our ground for Christ. Every time we compromise just a little bit, we allow those kind of bugs to come into our soul. And eventually all of those little decisions, they just keep eating away at us and eating away at us until we're hollow inside. And though we may look great on the outside, we are setting ourselves up for a fall. You know, I love you, and I love serving as the pastor here at this church. I don't want that to happen to us. I don't want that to happen to you personally at all. In 1873, Philip Bliss wrote a gospel song about the story that has become very popular. But uh, uh, in our day, this song has become virtually unknown, though the story is very popular. The song was called Dare to Be a Daniel, and I, I, I'm not going to sing it for you, although you can look it up on YouTube and, and uh, listen to a couple of quartets doing it. But the, the words are pretty powerful. Standing by a purpose true, heeding God's command. Honor them, the faithful few, all hail to Daniel's band. Many mighty men are lost, daring not to stand, who for God had been a host by joining Daniel's band. Many giants, great and tall, stalking through the land, headlong to the earth would fall if met by Daniel's band. Hold the gospel banner high, on to victory grand, Satan and his hosts defy and shout for Daniel's band. And then the course was dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. The application of this message is very simple. I dare you. I dare you to be a Daniel this week, to ask God what it is, it is that you need to stand for in integrity. What needs to be different in you than what is around you? What you need to trust Him in a greater way in regard to? Dare to be a courageous believer, a courageous Christian who values your personal integrity. And you will see that this is the second step for us as a church to become a courageous church. Well, that's the message for today. I uh, want to thank you again for your time listening in and uh, you were invited back each week to, to hear the, the next part of the, the podcast. I want to thank all those who make this podcast possible for Lisa Welly, who uh, puts everything together, uh, edits this, puts music to it. Uh, I, I'm always grateful for Steve Pittman and uh, what he does here at our church for, uh, in ways of uh, technology and sound and getting out uh, our live stream, which we live stream uh, at 8.30 at 1130 uh, every week now on Sunday morning. I, I just, I, we couldn't do this without so many people. And so I wanted to just be grateful for the way God uses his people to help us get the message out to you. And I pray for you that uh, you respond the way that God would want you to respond. Until next week, uh, this is Pastor Trey Hinkle, and I'll see you later. <laughs>